I'm Shereen Patek, and you're listening to Making Marketing by Digiday. Every week, I talk to marketing leaders who are changing the industry one decision at a time, be it competing with consultancies, acting like an agency, figuring out emerging technologies, or hiring the right talent. There's a lot to unpack. And joining me this week is Ben Bilbel, CEO of Karmarama, the London-based creative agency that was acquired by Accenture. Consolidation is the name of the game for the industry, and one of the biggest M&A players are the consultants. On this episode, what it takes for a consultancy to buy a creative company, why Ben is wary of holding companies, and what lies ahead for M&A in 2019. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi, Ben. Welcome to Making Marketing. Well, thank you very much for having me. We're so excited to have you. So two years um, since you found a new home inside Accenture, and I actually wanted to start with an understanding really of how the, how this is actually shaped up. Now that you're two years in, I see most of sort of the, the fitting in and cultural things and all the shifts and everything like that have happened. How do you guys now f- fit within sort of the Accenture offering and what's been going on there? Yes, yeah, so Accenture is a pretty big company. It's about half a million people oh, globally. Just a few and I think, it, I think if we'd been thrown into the general population, we would have uh, struggled a little bit. And we were lucky enough to meet um, Brian Whipple uh, and Anatoly Reutemann fairly early on in our conversations. And they identified a home for us, which was Accenture Interactive, which is Accenture's consumer agency it's experience agency if you like um, that is looking to offer clients uh, an end-to-end agency offer that can help clients transform their customer experience and that felt like a much more natural home for us and Brian in particular was very keen that we partnered up with Accenture Interactive and collectively we'd be a greater force together that if you like we brought some of that right brain capability the creative brand and consumer insight and married it with the ability to deliver at scale that Accenture Interactive has globally um, and offer a new type of agency service to clients so within that deal personally aside from the fact we were really interested in a new offering as opposed to going into a holding company, which was a more tried and tested path, if you like. We also, the senior management of Kamarama, that is, mm-hmm. became managing directors of Accenture Interactive as well as continuing as leaders of Kamarama. And the, the phrase I always use, which sometimes uh, people raise an eyebrow to about this integration is um, Accenture Interactive. We're very sensitive lovers. I describe, <laughs> I've described them like that because I think they were very respectful of the fact that creative people tend to have, work best in a slightly different culture. Um, and we were allowed to retain our office space and our ways of working, mm-hmm. but integrate around client projects. Okay. And that was really the attraction for us. So I think that's actually a really great place to start because I do think that sort of amidst kind of the, you know, the consultancies are coming, consultancies buying great creative agencies, you guys, the monkeys, I mean, there've been sort of all of these cases over at Heat, there's, uh, over at Deloitte, there's been the Heat acquisition. I think one thing that I keep hearing is the consulting firms have a lot going for them, but it's going to be very difficult for them to kind of get a creative culture and, you know, 
acquire a creative company and then make sure it all fits and make sure that they're able to kind of nurture that. And it's they're too different. They're absolutely too different. Was that sort of difficult or was that at least challenging at the beginning? And how have you kind of solved for for that as an issue if it was an issue? Well, one of the upsides I see to the consultancies coming into the space is that to a certain extent, they have a a blank sheet of paper when it comes to creative and they get to configure creative services in a way that's kind of fit for today and for tomorrow rather than having to restructure an old model. And for us, that was incredibly attractive because if you like, we were one of the first people through the door and we were going to help. Um, work alongside the leaders of Accenture Interactive to develop that. And we said right from the start that if we can maintain our culture, and the, the monkeys would say exactly the same thing in Australia, but come together for client projects and on the work where we really showed not just to the market and clients, but also to our people that we could work on more upstream projects, more strategic engagements with a greater understanding of the business outcome of our work. That was the thing that was most likely to foster collaboration and integration. And and so far, so good on that front. I mean, obviously, there are challenges. Um, Accenture and Accenture Interactive are a different type of business. But mm. the whole market is suffering from... Um, some of the same issues which are around integration and consolidation because increasingly clients are calling for partners that can work across a number of different channels, a number of different platforms, a number of different outlets. And the the perfect agency model might not exist yet, but I think we felt that we were more likely to achieve the answer outside of the whole company model than we were inside of it, which is why we saw the benefit of going with Accenture Interactive. So let's let's break that down a bit, because I think that we are sort of seeing it coming in all ways. I mean, I'm calling, I'm basically calling for next year is definitely feels like it'll be the year of consolidation, because a lot of these sort of moves that we've seen happening over the last couple of years definitely seem like they're heading for a shakeout, both in sort of the holding company models and within consultancies and what they're doing. What about sort of the legacy holding company structure did you feel was not the answer for you? Why was that not the answer for you? I think it came from talking to clients. Mm. So most of the smart clients we were working with, whether it was kind of uh, in small businesses or big businesses, were trying to work across three things. You know, they were working across brand communication they increasingly were working across performance comms and the more strategic ones were starting to get involved in customer experience as a whole and particularly the digital platforms that support that, whether it's the website or the app, um, you know, how they engage with their customers on social media. And I think they were looking for partners who understood that challenge, if you like, in that ecosystem and it doesn't mean that you have to execute for a client in every single challenge but certainly your strategic brains and your big idea thinkers need to understand that and we felt that any model that was very siloed and that relied on hundreds of different agency brands to deliver against that was going to be inherently challenged Mm. 
And one of the things that, that we saw Accenture doing very well is organizing around clients rather than organizing around P&Ls. And wow. Accenture has one P&L, and if they do do a deep dive, they look at it at a client level. And that's how we were working as well. That's interesting because does that kind of structure also then help with being able to, you know, get better fees and sort of get paid for things in a very different way and potentially make more money um, because you're actually getting paid fairly? Well, we certainly saw um, more and more clients asking us um, how we organized our finances so they could get a better understanding of our business model, if you like, and understand if we were going to be collaborative, if we had silos of our own, how it was going to work with Accenture. And, and generally to say to a client, our um, KPIs are shared with yours is the best starting point. And the, the other thing that we were attracted by was that Accenture has a number of deals in place and Accenture Interactive too, which are outcome based. So for one of their um, automotive clients, they get paid every time that client sells a car. You know, it's not about inputs. Um, it's not about outputs. It's about outcomes. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a simple thing to say. It's a harder thing to do and actually requires a lot of um, investment up front to say that you'll run that team for free for a certain amount of time before you see the revenues. And you have to be pretty confident in your ability to model outcomes and to partner with a client to deliver that. And that was one of the most attractive things we saw when we um, first started talking. I believe they call it investing ahead of revenue, euphemistically. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but but you that know, has so been something says that... they do it, not everyone does. Right. And that has been something that a lot of companies in general sort of have had to do because it's very unclear sort of how clients, what clients are asking for and what capabilities those are going to need. Um, and it's very difficult to sort of bring those up overnight. I mean, you, you, we saw that sort of when a lot of production was being done by agencies. We saw that and we see that now as more people are talking about data scientists and bringing those inside agencies and inside uh, inside those companies. But there, there, has been, there has been a need for that to happen, but it's incredibly difficult to make that financially work, right? That's right. And, and to keep it simple, we've concentrated on a few things. So through companies like ours and the monkeys, we now have a strategic creative offering, if you like, in that brand world. Accenture Interactive already had a, a very fully formed service design offering that helped clients follow customer journeys and make, made sure that the customer experience was delivering against it. And then through the global network that Accenture can bring to bear, there's an incredible ability to deliver at scale, particularly when it comes to digital platforms, whether it's e-commerce platforms. And by and large, if you can take a client, those offerings and organize them, and you can say from day one, we're going to help you find efficiencies, we're going to help you implement quickly and in an agile way. Those are pretty good building blocks to start from. And after that, everything else is additive. You know, so if we do need an extra service or offering, we'll find out a way to make it work as we go along. But those three fundamentals are a pretty good place to start. When you say sort of that that can be done, you know, delivery at scale, can you, can you explain sort of how that actually looks, you know, uh, maybe just an example of exactly how that plays out from start to finish would be really helpful. Yeah, so imagine you're a um, 
global retailer and you are trying to align all of your CRM programs in one place so that the global team can check easily how those marketing programs are working and where there's best practice, uh, which countries are working better than others. And also the local markets can see what they can learn from other markets and what they can quickly activate, as well as the creative and the consumer insight that we would typically bring. The ability to actually help install, run and maintain the, the platforms that allow you to do that are just as significant a job, you know, that actually having the capability in place to track every customer's transaction um, and how we follow up from a marketing point of view mm -hmm. is no mean feat. And really when uh, it comes to Accenture and Accenture Interactive, you couldn't find anyone better in that space to help a client deliver that. Yeah, and I, I mean, one thing I've always sort of thought about too is sort of what have what is what clients have been asking for been shifting I mean overall I think that one thing I keep hearing is what you were mentioning earlier that okay we want more clients expecting more strategic business solutions you know more quote unquote consulting um, and that's simply what sort of traditional agencies have not been providing and instead they've been providing or focusing more on execution whether that's in media or in creative and ideally the idea being that a place like Accenture is able to do all of it and that's why clients are going to them. Is it really as simple as that or is there more to it? Yeah, I think it always helps if you follow the money. So if you understand how um, agencies get paid ultimately, um, and I think you're transparent with your clients about that, then it um, makes it easier to have a conversation about partnering. And I think one of the issues we saw with the holding companies was that there was going to be a challenge at some point to the business model that relied in some way, shape or form on commission on media. And because we were a creative agency that didn't offer media, we weren't really in that world anyway. Did you consider maybe start trying to maybe offer media ever or was that not well, in the cards? We, we were interested in, we've always been interested in media planning because, you know, in, in so many ways, the, the medium is the message, but we didn't see the benefit in making money out of trading media, you know, and, and certainly we saw that our clients were frustrated with some of the way that that's being done. Um, we didn't feel that was the way the market was going. We felt that, we were more likely to be in a strong place if we weren't in that world, but we were advising clients how to invest, make investment decisions, uh, and then work with them on outcome-based deals. And if we could follow our more strategic clients into that world of customer experience, we'd be opening up a much larger market that we feel more than replaces the media market. Absolutely. And you sort of, you were saying that that the way agencies made money was sort of always felt kind of flawed to you. That's right. I think the thing that, that has been really encouraging, I think, mm -hmm. about our journey and, and, and our initial meetings with 
Accenture Interactive is the premium that's being placed on creativity. And we didn't always feel that that was there, even in our own industry. It was, <laughs> if you like, the front of house and the serious <laughs> business of making money was done elsewhere through media, if you like. Although, although they did keep saying that creativity was what was driving everything, but kind of not well, really I, putting their money where their mouth was when it came to actually making sure a premium was placed on it. That's right. And I, and I think what we're seeing, though, is a, is a U-turn, not just from all of the people in the marketing services industry, but clients as well, because they're starting to realize um, the value of creativity, not just in, in communications, but in differentiated experiences for consumers. And, and really, you know, if you're a, you're a legacy business, if you're vulnerable for disruption, if you're not offering the most innovative customer experience, and you're not communicating in the most innovative, engaging place. And I think that is putting much more of a premium on creativity. But I think that the way that agencies will make money out of that will change. So I still think that there would be a creative offering and an offering that is empathetic to consumers and, and ultimately human beings. But I think the way we're going to get paid is going to dramatically change. So you sort of mentioned that, you know, the, the clients are p placing more of a premium on creativity now than before. Um, what's happening that that's sort of, you know, come back into focus now? Because it, it has felt, to be quite honest, it has felt for the last few years that sort of that that's going to fall by the wayside, especially with as kind of Facebook and Google grew and there was just so much, so many more kind of channels and the channels themselves were so vast and so scaled this sort of this idea of they're they're really needing to be very creative output had fallen by the wayside or at least felt as if nobody was really paying attention to it and instead was favoring scale over any, anything else um what's happening now that makes you feel like clients are again starting to pay more attention to it i think there's there's probably three things going on so i think you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that we didn't do exactly the same things. We, we all fell in love with performance marketing when it came along because for so long um, as practitioners, we've been accused of being fluffy and not being able to actually track the effectiveness of what we were doing. And then all of a sudden here was something that you could measure with clicks and cost per acquisition and, you know, even track through to a purchase. And it completely... Um, entranced everyone in the market, client and agency side, uh, you know, collectively. And I think what um, we're seeing now is kind of slightly coming out of that phase and recognizing that you have to have a blend of not just performance marketing, but great brand building. And, you know, there's a lot more evidence that is being developed by people like Field and Benet in the UK that if you pursue an emotional branding strategy alongside a more short-term, if you like, sales driving strategy, then you have a best of both worlds solution. So I think the pendulum swung very far into a performance marketing world, and now it's, it's, it's sitting somewhere in the middle. And I think the other thing that's changed mm -hmm. is that particularly for legacy businesses, and I'm talking about uh, client side now, that they've seen massive disruption in nearly all of their sectors by new entrants who've come in and developed just, you know, beautiful and delightful customer experiences. You know, and if you just look at 
financial services in the UK and a company like Monzo, it's not just because they have a great app and they're agile, but the way they communicate with their their audience and the way they let their audience in to help them develop the proposition is much more empathetic. And it's that that understanding of empathy and ultimately the people behind the transaction mm-hmm. that I think we're seeing a greater appreciation of. How, how much are these, especially, you know, these digitally native DTC brands, whatever you want to call them, that were essentially our marketing companies, you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. thing that they've done is they're born on Instagram and they do a great job at marketing themselves. How much have they, how much have they changed the game when it comes to how bigger, you know, more traditional clients think about their own products and their own marketing? Because I assume, I mean, my guess would be that has had a huge effect. You know, they're seeing these these marketing forward companies and they're looking at their own, you know, what they're doing with their marketing and saying, wait a minute, we should be doing that. They're the ones disrupting the market. That's a really good point. I can't think of a sector that hasn't had that happen. Mm. And, you know, I don't think it's um, game over for legacy brands by any means, because quite often those marketing companies, as you call them, don't have the resources and particularly the people to actually deliver what what we're all looking for as consumers these days, which is something which is a, a combination of tech and human interaction. But by and large, there isn't a sector that hasn't been shaken up by disruptors. And I think one of the insights from disruptors that has been really interesting is they don't have silos that get in the way of a end-to-end view of a customer experience. So they just they just sit down and they say, how can we make this amazing for our consumers? You know, from the first time they hear of our brand to the 50th time they've come back and used our service. And they don't have to ping between 17 different departments and nine different geographic regions and different P&Ls. They can make stuff happen. And I think that's why we're starting to see a function that sits in the middle even of legacy businesses where you have one person or a team of people who are trying to take responsibility for customer experience. Mm -hmm. And that's really the function that we're trying to address as Accenture Interactive. How much does kind of the data, the data question play a part in this? Because one thing I've been fascinated by is sort of how much more, what, you know, much more of a premium now placed on first party data and other, another effect of, another effect of these DTC companies that have owned their data, have always owned their own data, know their customers better than really anybody can. And again, all of these other companies have relied on kind of third party data to inform so many creative decisions uh, sitting there saying, wait a minute, we should, we should know about our customers. We should be using this for our creative output and how we advertise and how we do all of that. It really feels like the, the sort of stakes are very different now for a lot of these big clients. And again, I think this is where we saw the benefit of, of finding a family within Accenture mm-hmm. Interactive because mm-hmm. Even with some of the kind of digitally native businesses that have scaled very fast, it's very difficult for pretty much every client we've come across to track that single customer view. You know, there's usually a few different sources of data and there's no perfect solution that I've seen to date. You know, everyone is on a journey in terms of that um, perfect dashboard that shows what their consumer is doing in real time. But having the ability to understand not just what you need to get to, but how you might get there and the resources to do that at scale, 
I, I think it's going to become more and more critical to what we used to call the marketing department. Mm. So, so on that note, then sort of big, uh, big thing or that you're expecting for the industry in 2019? Well, I'm, I'm very optimistic for creativity. And, you know, what, one of the attractive things about meeting Accenture Interactive was the, the value and the premium that they placed on creativity because, you know, ultimately what clients are looking for, uh, you know, across the board is top line growth. And by and large, most of the big legacy businesses have achieved all the efficiencies they're going to have cost cutting. So I think we're back in an era again of driving growth and driving growth really comes out of understanding, you know, the consumer and offers that you can make to the consumer that are attractive. And I think that brings back some of the skills that we've been nurturing in our little corner of the industry for, for years and years now, which are empathy, insight, and the creative expression of a brand and innovation around propositions. So I think those agencies that can get their act together and organize around that in a modern way that brings in data and technology should be doing really well. So while there are a lot of um, pessimists, let's say, in the industry and a lot of naysayers, I, I think it's a fabulous time to be in the creative industries. Excellent. Ben, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. And that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Our producer is Aditi Sangal. If you like the show, please don't forget to subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. You can reach out to me with your feedback. Tweet at me. I'm at Shereen Batek. Or, of course, email me, shereen at digiday.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode.